0: Today's pod is supported by Manscaped, the best in below-the-belt shaving. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and they've just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, and you can be one of the first in England to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. No more nicks or cuts. Make your testies their besties. The 7,000 RPM motor has quiet stroke technology. Not sure what that is, but it sounds good. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code NQAT at manscaped.com. That's NQAT at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping.
1: So, uh slightly faded from memory now as we have not been able to get our diaries together until Thursday night, like it was the bad old days or something. Oh. Um but Manchester United, uh you you predict I predicted a loss, you predicted a draw, your optimism was far closer to the, to the truth. Uh Marcus Rashford it's all right. a genuine a, a genuine hero of our times, um also a hero on the pitch at the end of that game.
0: Yes, I mean it's actually only two defeats this season, despite all the talk of crisis. Uh, United have lost those games against Palace and, and Spurs, which were bad, admittedly. But <laughs>
1: yeah, were pretty bad.
0: Pretty bad. Uh, but um, maybe we're putting together some results. I mean, yeah. s- smashing everyone like Aaron Wan-Bissaka on a night in, apparently. Um, so,
1: I mean, who who had thirty seconds into the show for Ed's first Aaron Wumbasaka joke? It, it felt like it was definitely coming. I, I had the spread
0: bet down already, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it can't be corruption if you are betting on your own podcast. Uh, look, yeah, um, you know, it was it was. I was not expecting when the team sheet came out for United to put in such a discipline disciplined. I'd expected with that team sheet. Um, but such a controlled performance. I mean, in the end, nearly had fifty percent of possession. Um, fashioned a, a good number of half chances. It's not great XG here for either side, by the way. Um, you know, no, not too many really clear cut chances, except from the penalty spot. Uh, but had a lot of control Obviously. over the game, and and David De Gea made a couple of good saves, but not sixteen good saves. Uh-huh. Uh, and and in the end, Neymar and Mbappe and Di Maria all ran out of steam, uh, and United yeah. were kind of you know they they were stronger, much stronger at the end than Paris Saint Germain.
1: Yeah, I I thought um, to just sort of talk about the I I missed a bit of the first half because I was working late that day, um, but every bit I saw just was like Alex Teller's putting in a really good corner or. Aaron Wan-Bissaka or Axel Twanzebe just tackling Mbappe over and over and over again. Um, it's, uh, I think from an attacking perspective, I've, well, the first point of praise here is for the manager. The much maligned, including by us, and no doubt will be again, because, you know, I think that that's kind of inevitable. But just everything about this game, uh, tone, tactics... Tactics in starting election, very bold switch um, to go from the three at the back to four at the back in the game at one all. We've criticised him for being excessively conservative. This was the opposite. He recognised the opportunity, brought Pogba on Pogba, a massive impact, I thought, on United's fluency. Um, And yeah, and, and what a gamble, by the way, to play a back three with Twanzebe and Shaw in it. Shaw, having been in awful form, he has looked good and, uh, a back three. Like you've, I've seen you say, this is partly because that he has less flexibility and so he's less likely to make a horrific positional error. But Twanzabee hasn't played since December against Colchester or whatever it was. And he just comes and absolutely bosses the best young striker in the world, apart from Marcus Rashford.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Mason Greenwood. Yeah, <laughs> at least in the top three. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, look, um I mean, I think it, uh, I've seen a few takes... From certain quarters, which go along the lines of uh, "Are you all sorry now? Those of you who are hating on Ollie. Look at what he did. Uh, you can't you can't celebrate this win uh, and criticize him. You know you can't have both things." And and I don't agree with those takes. Uh, obviously, um, I think it's okay to take each each one uh, each game on its merit, and also recognize there's a long arc about where we're going as a club and as a team under Ollie. Um For this 90, he's obviously got it all right, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, now, when, uh, when the team sheet came out, back three, uh, it doesn't always feel great when United did that. First 15 minutes, it was basically back seven with five strung out across and then two sitting in front. It's like, oh, this feels like one of those games in which United are really passive and just, uh, the, you know, PSG had loads of possession. It could be one of those games where, you know, the first piece of magic uh, from Neymar and Mbappe and the game's over. Right? It it could have been that. Um, He's gambled on building control uh, for the first hour or so. I I don't think he, I I don't know. Maybe maybe there's been some scouting that says PSG would run out of steam. I'm not sure that's right. They they obviously didn't have a preseason, much like United. Um, But they've had quite a few games since then. Uh, in which the war into the campaign, but you know he's gambled on getting control and maybe something would come later, uh, and, uh, and the control piece coming first and and that worked. Um, you know, sure, maybe that's his best position now. I, I still don't think he's a, definite, a great. Definitely, I don't think he's a great central defender. But um, with three in there, the margins and uh, you know quite narrow. The margins for him making mistakes are definitely smaller, for sure. Uh, and then you you mentioned Alex Tellez who had a very promising debut didn't do any didn't make any mistakes defensively uh, offensively looks like he's got a great left peg on him doesn't he which was basically the the preview of his talents anyway um and and then as you say uh, at the right time he he it was a massive gamble it feels like feels like a massive gamble didn't it to to switch from a uh, a three to a four at the back, uh, you know, put in the extra creative midfielder and then go for the win. But in the end, he's seen like PSG running out of steam and they really did. Like almost nothing of note created in the last 15, 20 minutes of that game.
1: And I don't think it's wild to think that there would have been some scouting that says these lot might run out of steam because... Of the preseason stuff combined with, I mean, they had less of a preseason than United, and like you said last time, the French league season had started before PSG's last season finished. Um, but they also had like loads and loads and loads of players out, and beyond the front three, they just offered so little. They just did not look like a good team at all. So, uh, for two reasons, because when you when you gamble. In any field of life, what you're trying to do is have the odds in your favour. If you're trying to play poker, you don't know that you're going to win, but you try and get the chips in with a better hand than you're, a more of a percentage chance that you'll that it's a good gamble than it's a bad. And we've talked, categorised Fergie over and over and over again almost the perfect definition of Alex Ferguson's entire career is that he's a really, really good gambler. So it doesn't always work, but it works much more often than it doesn't. The house always wins. Fergie always wins. The The data points that you could say justify that big gamble um, in the second half were the the individual performances, the defenders, the fact that Wan-Bissaka and Twanzebe, in particular were clearly just absolutely bang on it. Dave I mean, maybe you could say it's a risk to gamble that Dave will keep being good in any given game. But the last couple of games, he's looked something close to his best, actually. Um, And then when you combine the fact that our one-on-one defending should be better than it normally has been, given what we're seeing in front of our eyes, and what a shambles PSG looked from behind the back three on, it's actually a pretty good gamble in terms of it's not just like a one in a million shot that it worked, you know. It, it should have worked more times than it didn't, effectively. I don't know if that's true, but it's a theory.
0: Yeah. Um, and look, anyway, the, ga- the gamble paid off, and United came strong, and, and it, look, it's taken a, a, a brilliant goal to, to actually win it, so uh, although United were strong in that second period of the second half, I don't think we were smashing down the barn doors or anything, unlike Aaron wan on a Friday night. No. Ah, this is a podcast so you can't see Paul's eyes rolling into the back of his head. Yeah. And we'll we'll get that going again before the end of the show. <laughs> anyway, um let, shall we talk about the goals and some of the details of the game sure. and and United took the lead through um Bruno who missed his second spot kick in a row. Uh-
1: that was terrifying, that was. It was like, all oh, the natural order of things has suddenly been, you know, when Obi-Wan feels that alderan has been destroyed, felt a little bit like that. Um, have, have all goalkeepers now cracked Bruno Fernandes? But no, it turns out that they have to cheat to have a chance at saving his penalties, and fortunately the village the vigilant good guys at the heart of football <coughs> making sure the rules are properly applied in the fashion that we've encouraged and supported right from the beginning uh-huh. um notice that kim um, Kim pa- Kayla Navas had taken a little hop skip of uh, and step of his own off the goal line
0: yeah, I mean I do wonder whether goalkeepers have to have a save penalty retaken in order to to learn the new rule. We, they freaked out. PSG. I mean, what was the point of them surrounding the referee and complaining? Uh, I, I I don't. I didn't quite get that. I mean, we know what this is about now. The the VAR looks at it and concluded. Well, in fact, the linesman uh, first pointed it out. I think he would have called it anyway. But the VAR. Um, has, you know, all the angles plus the stop motion, it's as clear as day. The the edict has gone round from on high. Everyone knows the rules now and and as nitpicky and jobs worthy as this is, this is the rule and, and you know, as Dave found to his cost the other day, um so it's gonna be called this way throughout the season. So
1: yeah, I like to think that the PSG... I don't know what French is for... Le jeu est parti! Le jeu est parti! <laughs> the game's gone. The game's gone. Um, I think that's what they were shouting. Uh, Bruno was then... Uh, it was very funny. Like, Darren Fletcher from... Not our Darren Fletcher. Good, get Darren Fletcher. The, the lead commentator on BT Sport is, I think, the worst commentator in the game. Um... Fernandez hit exactly the same penalty the second time as the first time and he goes, He's got it spot on this time. That's a brilliant penalty from Bruno Fernandez Like, it's the identical penalty. And okay, he sent the keeper the right the wrong way this time, which is that yeah, makes it better. But it was it was very funny to see him put the ball in almost exactly the same spot, it just got saved and be wildly praised. Yes, yeah, so I'm sure Probably that I'm sure there plan.
0: is a psychological theory about, you know, um focusing on outcomes here rather than inputs. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. Yeah uh fine good good for bruno i mean you know the advantage is massively with the attacker and even more so now um i do wonder like so the the average it depends on which division you look at but the average number of penalties scored is somewhere in the region of 8 out of 10 um and uh, i do wonder whether that'll go up slightly and we're going to see yeah. more penalties so we'll get a bigger data bigger data set uh, and now um goalkeepers have less of less of an option uh, maybe they'll try some different things
1: so that was towards the back end of the first half right and then it was early Tw- in the second minutes. half what's, what's that sorry
0: 23 minutes
1: oh yeah okay there you go right so early earlier than i thought and um united were in the ascendancy for for a good period and and Basically, I know I keep talking about this, but Twanzebe and Juan bissakas one one-on-one defending in that game was absolutely, totally and utterly elite. You know, we talked about Wan-Bissaka and the limitations and I keep coming back to the point that um, he does what he does well to a level that almost no other fullback does. So we do need to talk about his exceptional strengths as well as his limitations. Um but the two of them were just, I mean, utterly magnificent. And Twanzebe looked like, I mean, he looks like United's best centre-backs. Very simple. I mean, it's one game, and who knows? But in that game, he performed better than any United centre-back has done since. Oh, I don't know, the last time he played.
0: Well, that's the, that's the thing. You know, every time we see him, you, you know, you get the feeling that he's, uh, you know, a really classy defender. And um, just just one that has had a, a career of of injuries, and it, and it's, we we talked about him around this time last season, or maybe more like eighteen months ago, and he spent time at, at, um, at why am I forgetting Aston Villa and Fulham, um, Fulham, or was it just Aston Villa?
1: Can't remember. Oh, I remember him going to Aston Villa. I didn't know there was another one.
0: No, no probably just Aston Villa. I'm blanking uh, because I'm getting old. Or something like that. Uh, and, yes. and 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 even then he only played about half the available minutes because of injury and he'd had injuries at, at youth level as well. And he's had injuries since coming back to United. I mean, the beginning of last season. He was basically given the opportunity to stake a claim for a place and got injured very shortly afterwards. And like not big injury, little injuries. And then he got a more serious hamstring injury in that game against Colchester in December of 19 and hadn't played since as a result. And, and uh, you know, it's, it does feel kind of now or never. It's not now or never, but it's not far off it because he's 23 in mm. six weeks' time. He's no longer a kid and he's played hardly any football at the top level. For a player that good, Yeah, you know, who's got all the tools, the pace... I mean, he hit one cross-field pass that was about seventy yards, uh, and I just thought, uh, like, who who else in the United team is hitting that ball?
1: So yeah. Rooney, Rooney doesn't play for us anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, that's it. And um, and and he's got the other thing he's got that no one else has got apart from Eric Bailly is the recovery pace, and and I think yeah. McGuire needs that. He really does. He needs to be the player that's attacking the ball and someone's able to recover. Otherwise, he's getting found out a lot, and that, that's clearly what happens.
1: Well, that, I have to say, there is a, a hugely natural partnership between those two as well. That's, thats you know, that's the other
0: thing. So then... then What, by in Twanzaby? Yeah, no, I agree. A good fit.
1: <laughs> um, No, uh, yeah, I just think Twanzaby's got what Maguire needs, and actually Maguire probably could helped Twanzaby too because, you know, Maguire can be so dominant in the air, not that Tuanzebe is bad in the air, obviously. Um, then, so, United did well, snuffed out a lot of PSG chances, couple of good saves from Dave, and then they get a corner, and then Team Martial, who had... Um, a, a, a difficult day, I think. Did he? We won the penalty. Yeah, he totally did. He won the penalty uh, for United. But I thought United's two forwards. I mean, they obviously made extremely telling contributions in winning the penalty and then winning the game. But they both slightly struggled. I thought.
0: Um, yeah, I thought they were too far away from each other most of the time. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, at, at times is trying to play the the one two twenty yards away from from Martial with three defenders in between them. So, um, and at yeah. times.
1: Rashford's trying to play a cut-through pass when he had about 40 acres to run into and shoot. It was it was very it, unfortunate. It was
0: odd. I mean, given the goal he scored and the, the yeah. quality of that finish, why he seemed to refuse to shoot earlier in the game. But anyway, yeah, so they, they didn't have... I mean, the two of them, it, fine. They made contributions, but they didn't have great games. No, uh, but behind Lassie them, Hall, no course. one had a bad, bad game, right? Br- no. Bruno was excellent. Uh, Fred and McTominay in midfield, uh, energy, defensive discipline, good use of the ball. Um, you know, McTominay playing the first half with one contact lens. Yes, yeah, it came out halfway through the first half, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I wear contact lenses. Uh, uh, like that's impossible. I don't know. Maybe you've <laughs> wandered around with one eye closed or something like that. It's uh, it's a truly horrible feeling. I think yeah. everyone who's got contact lenses is, is nodding along now because it, it just sends your equilibrium completely off. Um, and we talked about Tellez, uh and his delivery. I think that's, um, especially from set pieces. I mean, he's known Phil Jones, but... <laughs> but. Um, I mean, having
1: if he plays a lot of games and we've got Bruno and Tellez taking the set pieces, that yeah, is Yeah, some... it's much stronger.
0: Yeah. Yeah, wan doing wan stuff oh, uh, and making tackles. Just... <laughs> They're gonna keep coming. Yeah.
1: I mean yeah,
0: like even him. Lindelof um, had a good game. Maybe he just yeah. doesn't need Calamity Maguire beside him in order to play well.
1: Possibly. Um I, I the Martial one of Martial's extremely telling converse, telling um contributions, unfortunately, was uh, one heck of a near post flicked header. Um Closed his eyes. What are you doing, Tony? Quite quite early in the second half. And, and I was a bit worried at that point because it felt like that was exactly what we didn't need to do. Like, just give them a lifeline, give them, you know, allow them to smell blood kind of thing. But actually, it wasn't like a massive onslaught followed. I mean, they did have periods where, as you'd imagine, they had periods where their fine attacking players created some promising situations. But we mostly either snuffed those out or De Gea you know was more than equal to the challenges and and I did think we looked more likely to score I mean that that one which won't show on the xg map where Rashford was in acres of space like I said um that was a that was sort of indicative of how much joy we could have had on the counter-attack and and it came from like a very simple ball from Fernandez that I think that one I might be thinking of a different one where we got in behind with a simple ball so You know, United were somewhat profligate actually and and it was fantastic that they weren't punished for that because Marcus Rashford, who had looked desperately short of confidence all game in spite of having scored a really good goal at the end of the Newcastle game, suddenly found his mojo and hit a shot that made it look like he was brimming full of confidence. Yeah, I
0: mean, 14 chances each, uh, which I'll tell you it's a a fairly even game and and United cranked 14 chances away from home At Parc de France, you know, the European Cup finalists from just a few weeks ago is, it's impressive. I mean, a lot of that's about structure of the game as PSG pushed forward and and the way they played with their fullbacks. United were able to break very effectively. And this this wasn't parking the bus by any means. It was a a very um, sound tactic in this particular game. Um, six of fourteen on target from United, and five of fourteen on target from from PSG. You know, this was a an even game in which the tactical battle was was won by United. And yeah, you know, it was it was interesting that uh, Gchael made five. He's all his five substitutions. Um, well, well, all three of his five substitutions pretty early, um, and then two more as as United took the lead. And and uh, Ollie didn't. He you only know, made one until Rashford scored and then he made two others to try and waste mm. some time um he uh, maybe forgot that he's got five substitutions in Europe
1: but i think it, i think it was also about the the way that the teams were using energy because united United had been able to, you know, their tanks were very full by the end of that game. And, and the one substitution he made is this thing that we, you know, we have accused him of and lots of people have accused him of, and rightly so of not being able to substantially influence games from the touchline. But he absolutely did in this game. He, he, you know, he won the one-on-one tactical battle with the opposition manager as much as anything else. And, and, and it, it is bold at one all to say, yeah, we're going to roll the dice. Mm. And, you know, turned it into a the, cup tie
0: didn't it i mean the the amount of back and forth attacking there was in the second half of that that um that match or the second half of the second half of that match was was interesting, but he he gambled that united would create the better chances and that 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 was true as well yeah
1: and it it comes back to this thing that you know we've we've talked a lot about the doom and gloom and by the way, uh, just after the break, we'll be talking about the finances for some extra doom and gloom fun. Um, But United have got a team that is absolutely packed full of talent. There are problem areas, there's problems with strength of depth, and there are areas where we don't even have a really obvious good first choice, first 11 player. But the talented players in that squad are incredibly talented. And when you put m- a bunch of them on the pitch together they will more often than not that's you know that's why I think I think two weeks ago I said United are going to finish seventh or eighth or something yeah yeah that's that, right that's why it um that's why no I think it was you you'd said it's going to be like close to a miracle if we finish in the top four and I just don't think it will be close to, to, to a miracle because we have got such a high level of quality in certain key positions and when it comes off, it really comes off. And I think that will continue to happen a lot. Like after the Palace game, I think I said on the show, I'm not worried about our good players being rubbish in this game. Like that's, that is just not a worry because that's a lack of preseason. That's all, all these things. Spurs was a bit of a worry because it felt more like a kind of collective capitulation in a way that you don't, you don't want that mentality to be around. But this was a really good example. And and they're going to have to start doing this against weaker teams Although to be fair, they did for ten minutes at least do that against Newcastle in the previous game. So it was a it was a good game, and it's a massive result, obviously, just in and of itself. It's well, well, just result. in terms of
0: the qualification for the the round of sixteen of the Champions League. Sure, of course, yeah, yeah. going to need that income, uh, as we'll talk <laughs> about when we get onto this uh, that part of the show. But uh, yeah, of course, this is this this was you know on paper the hardest game of the uh, of of this first round and united mm-hmm. have banked 3 points already we'll win the home games or win two of the home games and get a couple of draws and united will be in the in the the round 16
1: yeah and, of course, winning the home games is no mean feat. has been a while since we beat PSG at home. Um, if if we remember back to that glorious night in Paris was, in fact, created by a pretty miserable night in Manchester. So, That's right. Um, but Marcus Rashford uh, kind of followed that up by campaigning vociferously against our callow, feckless, selfish, um, class ideologue government into trying to, uh, wait a minute, uh, this wildly crazy socialist idea. Oh, yeah, stop children from starving. Um, and uh, unfortunately, this time he was unable to influence government policy. But he will. And where he doesn't, he'll be a rallying cry around which people step in where the government should be. Yeah.
0: Um, do, do you know who his latest supporter is? Uh, yeah, Nigel Farage. Yeah. Now, When Farage is on your side as yeah. a campaigner... You're you're either into some dodgy territory, <laughs> yeah, or perhaps or the government need to look at this again.
1: Yes, I suspect they won't. But you know, like even in defeat, in terms of the 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 oh god, I'm, I'm welling up. <laughs> it's, it's been a long day. Um, but even in in parliamentary defeat, Marcus Rashford will win out here because there will, without doubt, be children who, um otherwise wouldn't have enough to eat having enough to eat because Marcia, marcus rashford exists and Are you not, sure? how many of us can say that you know
0: um no i i have uh, apart from my own uh, little little people i have not fed an hungry kid in <laughs> some time <laughs> so so yes you know marcus rashford has uh you know achieved um what Many people can't with or without power, and he's used this platform for you know a trem- tremendous amount of good. Um, have to say, I sat on the uh, we'll take a break and we'll come back to, to finances, but I sat on the finance call as I do once a quarter, uh, or if they can be bothered to do the calls these times, these days, in these times, and um, Richard Arnold was claiming credit for it, which I have to say as much as united did some very good stuff um yeah. during the lockdown supporting the nhs giving to food banks doing a lot of work through the foundation this one was on marcus rashford not the absolutely. club absolutely uh, no. and you know he's 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 winning hearts and minds i mean the amount of schools that are having days talking about marcus rashford or building collages or talking about um the importance of of having a good lunch to education and educational outcomes, it's huge. You know, just just I mean, anecdotally based on the number of Twitter posts going around about it. Mm. You know, he is winning hearts and minds here because it really does take a stone cold heart to say, you know, and clearly we don't believe this. But if you're of the uh, mindset, uh, and you can still listen to our show, we you know, Broad Church. Um, if you're of the mindset to blame poverty on the poor, it takes a stone cold person to blame poverty on a child.
1: Yeah.
0: Um and I you, which uh, except for Tory MPs, which are definitely still doing that. Yeah. So, and you know, their argument is
1: that the thing that Rashford and we should in fact sorry, we'll take a break in just a second, but um there's a couple of things i I did want to mention one there is a coordinated campaign against marcus rashford and his message from the tory party which tells like this is like um you know that meme where where the guy comes in and goes are you winning son like mark you know you're winning when they are trying to do this to you if these are your enemies you know you're on the right side and if this is how they're acting you know you're on the right side of the argument Uh, you know twitter celebs and whatever um and actually, when the MPs have tried to engage with Marcus Rashford, he has replied to them with an incredibly measured, incredibly, actually, like, politically centrist tone, saying, I'm not here for politics, this is not about politics, this is about an issue that should transcend politics that we should all be able to agree on. And when they've come at him with facts, he's come back at them with facts. And when they've, co- like, better, more accurate, more detailed facts. And when they've come at him with... um evil he's responded to it and called it out you know so the not only what he's doing but the way in which he's doing it like he's not a credit to the club he's a little bit of credit to the club but there'd have to be more than one of him for you to say it's a credit to the club you know like i'm not saying they should all be doing it but the others would all have to be doing it too he is an unbelievable credit to himself, to his family, to the community that he's a part of. Like, he's a truly, truly, truly remarkable young man. And yeah. when some dirt comes out about him, as it definitely will, because you can't shake the tree in this way without um, them coming after you, none of that will change this. So, no, that, yeah, no, that's right.
0: Look, you know, he's, he's pure of heart and a real giver, much like Aaron wan in the bedroom
1: <laughs> you're a bad person ed never let anyone tell you different let's take a break we'll be right back if you want more from the show in between shows check us out on the socials we are nqat pod on instagram Ed at nqat pod on twitter and we are under our real names on facebook at no question about that Okay, so we ended on a brutal note there after uh, after a heartwarming moment. Let's um, continue the descent into the pitfalls of the evils of capitalism and talk about United's financials. Can you uh, can you break it down for the people, Ed? What is going on? Do we have any money? <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, we are stone cold broke. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's really interesting how they delayed and delayed and delayed this. So th- this. This uh, this is uh, full year results, basically, um, uh, for the financial year 1920, so it's to the end of June. Typically, they did give some information uh, beyond that in the call. Um, and this is normally at the beginning of September, and obviously we're into to late October now. Um, so they've delayed this a long time for reasons, you know. Reasons, I guess. I think they wanted to try and um, give some positivity. I have to say, I find the actual call a massive waste of time um, because they don't give any information that's not in the press release um, or or the investor information. And no one on call asks any sensible questions. And the only people that c- get called to ask questions are from the big banks. So that said, um, so United's revenues are down. More than one hundred million uh, year over year Th- this reflects both the impact of the pandemic and the closed stadiums and the rebates of television um, as well as United being in the Europa League last season and not the Champions League um, the, that actually that bit actually has a bigger impact we will We will see the impact of closed stadiums into this financial year as well um, they, Cliff Beatty, the uh, CFO, gave some details on uh, what we think the impact of of the pandemic has been so uh yesma is about seventy million pounds to date um but with significant pain to come uh so the seventy million pounds is is uh made up of lost broadcasting income income so broadcasting rebate uh some sponsorship uh rebate uh and uh, predominantly um no fans in the stadium. Um, they're, 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 the the impact on cash reserves is absolutely astounding. So more than a £250 million pound change in cash. Now, some of that is what we've just said um, uh, in terms of uh, lost income from stadiums. It's also a deferment on some sponsorship. So they're not paying until uh, we get back to normal football. Um, uh, it's also... Um, the uh the likely rebates to come or uh withholding of TV money. Um and it uh is uh, the fact that United um chose to make ex- what they called accelerated payments uh on on um, money owned for transfers. So they're trying to pay some of that down. I don't know why, but they mm. are.
1: I wonder if that's I wonder if I mean I have no idea, but maybe I don't mean, it, it will
0: free up some room. It will free up some room down the line, right. potentially. Um, they guided about, uh, they said about $120 million in in um, this financial year on transfers. Uh, obviously, a significant amount has already been spent. Uh, so that would suggest. Don't get your hopes up for Sancho arriving next summer, mm-hmm. folks. Um, oh, in the Jan- or in January. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait.
1: Are we talking about that money includes next summer's transfer window? Yes. Because there was not a lot of overhead in what they said compared to what's been spent,
0: right? Wow. Yes, things can change. Things can change. So a big sale might change that. Um, Net. Net. They did talk about net. They they, uh, bigged up the fact that they claim, and I've not verified this, uh, mainly because I couldn't be bothered, that uh, Mm -hmm. over the last two years, so uh, however many windows, the United are the biggest net spenders amongst any of the European elite clubs. I think I think they were taking this as the financial year and not counting Chelseas spend this summer um but we'll see you know, I don't know um', but, um really huge
1: It's really yeah. interesting that they they're prepared to admit that that's the case, given that they're that they've not built a kind of elite level absolutely un, like they've not probably not built a a squad that can challenge for the league. No, no none and, of the analysts know. care
0: about that. They, they no, don't know. Yeah, yeah, so they don't get those kind of questions. They, they what they, what they try to do with these are position United as healthy, healthy, healthy. But you know, oh, these terrible things from the outside. But we're we're planning for it. So, um, yeah. they've they've increased their um revolving debt facility up to two hundred fifty million. I think that's um some level of prudence because of the next thing I'll say. Um, but also some level of panic, I think, about exactly what the cash position will be. Um, so they also said that they don't expect fans to be back in the stadium. The government has guided them that it won't be before March 21, um, and even then likely to be at a much reduced capacity. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, which is it can't be a surprise, honestly. I, I know there's no, a lot of people of fussing about the fact that uh, there's a concert at the uh, Albert Hall or, or whatever, um, but when the scientific advisory group is saying no mass events, um, the problem is the concert at the Albert Hall, not the fact that there are no mass events over here. Um, yeah. And I know none of us want this, right? But um, but the knock-on effect is more people uh, in a grave. You know, so this is really serious, as are United finances. Um, what else did they say? They said. Um, they, uh, the cash position is also worse because uh, they haven't had season ticket revenues and they've had to defer sponsorship. And then they did a really interesting thing where they kind of talked about the Chevy deal, which is supposed to run out in the summer of 2021, and added an extra six months for a, for
1: a tiny, tiny, tiny amount, amount. Of money It's £11 million to pounds
0: extra. Um, and also an agreement that all future payments for what's left of the 18 months of the deal... Will be in pounds, not dollars, because the original agreement was made in dollars, and the fluctuating pound-dollar rate meant there was no stability in in you know it 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 literally it went from fifty-four million at the low end to eighty million at the top end, Mm. um, depending on the forex rate. So they hedged against that. Uh, What else? Oh yeah, they picked up the fact that they'd uh, got eight new sponsorship deals. Um, and renewed eight existing partnerships uh, and made a big thing about a new media rights partnership with Alibaba in china
1: so i've got a question about that Chevy deal that eleven million represents uh, i mean it, this is a seven hundred and fifty million deal over five years right so uh what's six months of that that's oh yeah, it's, me, it, do the it's,
0: yes yes it's tiny it's a it's a, it's a very it's a sweetener. Um, for yeah. whatever reason, they're not saying why they did that because, you know, you could say 11 million, are they really that desperate for the cash? Well, maybe. Um, it also might buy them a little extra time to find a new sponsor because, and I think this is probably a big thing, denied in briefings. Uh, but But I can't imagine there are too many global companies in the middle of, you know, a huge economic downturn that are looking... Um, at you know, laying out you know, what are United looking for seventy, eighty million pounds a year for a but sp- the shirt deal. I mean, I just can't, I can't imagine that the market for that is too big right now. So they're buying themselves some extra time to go and negotiate that deal. Could mean that next season, and I know we've only just started this one. United change their shirt sponsor halfway through the season, uh, which could be interesting.
1: That's yeah, it. Oh, and right. the Glazers
0: confirmed they've taken twenty-three million pounds um, in uh, dividends this year. Ninety-seven thousand pounds less than last, last year, so they took a pay cut. You know the heroes that they are. I
1: just did. I just did a quick bit of maths. So seven hundred and fifty million. Seven hundred and fifty tie uh divided by five that's 150 million a year right so you divide that by 12 to get the monthly fee and that's 12.5 million per month
0: yeah so Do- dollars dollars that is but yes oh yes, is that yeah.
1: dollars okay right <laughs> so there's some but still you're not we're not far off they're getting they're paying one month's worth more of the money to get six months more sponsorship effectively
0: Something like and,
1: that, yeah. and if they change sponsors in mid-seasons that means replica shirts going through the roof real weird. yeah um so uh they also of course bragged about increased social engagement even oh god though- there's a
0: whole there was a whole piece about that i mean i was just waiting for it you know it's always the waffle up front and then they get into the social media reach Uh, And what what they didn't
1: say is the percentage of positive and negative social media engagement. It doesn't matter, folks. Um, If you at the Man United admin to say, well, why haven't we signed Sancho yet? You are part of the problem. You're adding to the numbers. I mean, you're part of the problem in a whole lot of different ways.
0: You know, like, like, so one of the things the researchers say uh, about, say, disinformation, especially sort of political disinformation, um, is that the worst thing you can do is basically amplify the thing that you, you know, disagree with. Yeah. And and that, um, thinking about network effects, what you should do if you do amplify it is put out five times as much stuff yeah. that is the opposite of what you've just amplified. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I I don't know what the equivalent is in football, but yes, you know. Uh, calling, you know, suggesting that you see Edward Wood next Tuesday um, uh, is, is yes, helping their brand reach, which is, you know, they, they claim it's like they, it went up from 630 odd million to 1.1 billion. L- last time they did a survey, it's probably, a, you know, 10 billion or something by now. And, and uh, we've, you know, exited Earth and, and gone interplanetary in terms of the number of followers we've got.
1: So we had one question come in on our um, Instagram uh, messages. Questions? From Varun... we, we,
0: can't, we, don't, we have to deal with the audience now, do we? <laughs> it's
1: a good question. I wanted the answer. That's why I thought I'll ask you about it. Varun Castoria said... Um, uh, uh, usually we go after the financials, but right after the earning report, United's stock ended the day up almost 10%. Given that it wasn't the best year financially, any idea where, m- what may have led to that? And I guess, let me, can I just guess that it's people thought it was going to be worse? Because that's often what happens. Like only 20%
0: if- of United stock is publicly traded and it's quite low volume stock. So, you know, a few, a few trades could have an outsized effect. Um so I, I I don't know whether I'd uh, read too much into that. I mean United Stock is barely above where it was at IPO. I mean it's a, it's a terrible investment. It's a, I mean it's it is net value destroying now. I mean it used to be just it it wasn't a very good investment and you'd be better putting your money into an index fund than into the United um into United shares. Now you'd be better putting your money under the mattress. Mm. Um, it's just yeah it's been an awful investment except for the glazers whose very very minimal early investment has turned into this big on paper asset Uh, and they can take dividends out each year and and edward would have just got a four million pound salary
1: unless you're thinking of a leveraged buyout, which you can't do because the shares don't have the right kind of rights you would need for that um don't buy united shares um I, and also, of course, like the stock market is up and down like an absolute yo-yo at the moment, um, which I only know because I'm tracking yeah. the price of Bitcoin.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and most likely people actually buying United uh, stock as part of a portfolio in the sector as well. So I mean, you know, it's uh... oh, and and the final thing, um, just just you know, just in case we were being too rosy for you, um, <laughs> current current debt, uh, gross debt, oh, five hundred and twenty-five million, and because of all that. Um, cash at hand, uh, you know, going up in smoke, um, just 51 million in, in the bank at the moment. Net debt, 474 million, 15 years after the buyout.
1: Amazing. And And what's extraordinary about that is we've been talking about how the debt is kind of down to controllable levels, but that's the net debt, right? So when the cash reserves take a massive hit, the net debt goes right up. And since it's a massive hit to the cash reserves, that's going to move the needle on the net debt, isn't it? Did. It
0: did. I mean, it's the kind of, uh, you know, And apparently we've been asking for 18 million for Phil Jones. <laughs> um, it, I mean, we'd have to sell Marcus Rashford to to put a dent into that. Uh, maybe we could. I mean, if we float him in front of Manchester City, they'd probably pay that for him. Not for the player, just for the PR value.
1: You take that back right now. Uh, <laughs> let's take a little, another little quick break, and come back with a little preview of the Chelsea game. Okay, two financial powerhouses going up against each other, the big net spenders, um, and. Uh, I don't know. Chelsea uh, somehow had a nil-nil draw, which I I did not think was mathematically possible anymore. Um, But you cannot see these two teams uh, coming up with a nil-nil draw. And the one thing that I hope beyond anything else for this game is we go the heck at them because uh, Chelsea have a very definite strength and a very definite weakness. And it would be good if we could exploit the one um, (laughs) rather than try and minimise the other.
0: Uh, like Chelsea's last six games, they've scored six, three, just the one, but four in the penalty shootout, four, three, and then nil against Sevilla, although that was a top quality side they're playing, obviously. So, yes, um, with all those attacking players, they've, they've got tremendous strength in attack. And, and we talked about Timo Werner on the backers' content last time out. Yeah. You know, he's he's really coming good and and Havertz behind him... Um, a real creative powerhouse, and and whatever combination of of Mason Mount, Pulisic, Zetche, uh, they want to play in wide areas. It's it's all very high quality. So you know they've they've spent a lot of money and spent it pretty well. What they didn't do, which is absolutely criminal <laughs> now looking at it, um, is is buy a central defender and a goalkeeper. Um, well, they bought the goalkeeper, but haven't played him yet. So, I don't know. Is he, has he been isolating for COVID? What's what's the I reason why he, Mendy's not playing? Is he not no, fit?
1: No, I think he played against Sevilla. Right. I, I, unless I'm much mistaken, I think he played this game. Um, I'll, I'll just quickly look that up. Um, but He did. You're more, correct. Yes. More significantly than that, I'm pretty sure that um was registered as uh, potentially being able to play in goal. So, while we have got four... Well, three really high quality goalkeepers. Um, Chelsea are Chelsea are using Petr Cech as a backup.
0: But it's that I means logical, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's uh, if a crisis hits. Hopefully, it does. Um, not that I'd wish ill on on any of their players, of course. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting uh, sort of clash. Uh, I we'll we'll see whether Maguire's back. Of course, and whether he comes back into the side, and what does that mean for um, the shape of the side? Is he going to match up, Um, or you know, or is he going to continue the three at the back? Um, Lampard won't play three at the back, I don't think, Uh, or or revert back to the four two three one. Does Pogba come into the side? um given would you give, would you
1: start pogba i'm um, obviously i would yeah yeah no i think you? i
0: th- i think so yeah i mean uh, obviously um it depends um the only reason you wouldn't is if you're going for a counter-attacking oh, so so counter attacking strategy once again but that feels quite risky though. given the given both you know chelsea's strengths and their weaknesses you want to put them under some pressure don't you
1: yeah, and but Pogba's just really good in counter-attacking situations, though. Like he's—you said—who else at the club can ping a pass like Tuanzebe? Is Pogba is obviously the answer. He's you know, well, actually, so can Fernandez, obviously. But I—I I don't know. I—I I think there's this is this is a really fascinating game that, that I have no idea how this this game's going to go because it does feel like two really top-heavy teams going up against each other. I mean, they're, they're front three. Whichever combination of players it is, or front four really, because they've been they played four, two, three, one against um Sevilla, their their front four is more than a match for our defensive line. I wonder if I wonder if there isn't some logic to just trying to repeat the trick because you know, you we shut down Dimery and Bappe and Neymar playing that way. More well, than you can if you can do that, you can shut down Werner and Havertz and Pulisic, right? Um it's not like Chelsea have got more attacking weapons than no, they've got PSG. plenty of weapons,
0: but yeah, <laughs> um, but but look, Kepa, Christiansen, and Zuma—that's a massive soft underbelly. I mean, yeah, sh- I surely Mendy, they I should be thinking play. about like the yeah, you know, how are they going to stop Rashford, Fernandes, Martial, Greenwood, Pogba? Shouldn't shouldn't they? I mean, look, yeah. it's... I. You know, I know we just praised Ollie for making a very bold change. Um, If I was to err on the side of prediction, it would be a more cautious outlook, probably three at the back and probably very similar. You know, he does tend to, following a successful performance, follow a similar pattern. I have no data on that, but that's what I feel is true, so I'm sticking to it. Um, So, you know, if I was guessing, I think that's probably what he'd do. Um, If I was selecting... You know, I know we all have recency bias, but I, I think I would probably, you know, try and put Chelsea under pressure. I mean they conceded three against Southampton. You know, United can definitely cause them problems.
1: But I don't I I there's a slight there's a slight kind of To me, there's a disconnect in the logic there because it's not like if we play three at the back, that means we are not going to be putting their defensive line under pressure. In fact, we're very likely to put their defensive line under pressure because we actually had quite a lot of the ball in that game and, and... um, and the the wing backs, particularly Tellers on the left, could you know really make a big impact going forward. It's just that we then have a little bit of additional stability. I'm not suggesting we park the bus against Chelsea. I'm just saying that you can play that formation without saying, okay, here you are, Chelsea, do your worst. You know, um, no, no,
0: sure, but but at the beginning of the Paris Saint Germain game, United did give away a lot of possession. They were behind right. on possession. And I mean, it depends how you calculate it, right? So two ways of calculating possession time. Or passes, right? So um, uh, on, on passes, United had 39% of the possession. On time, 49% of the possession. Um, and that was very much to do with the style of play. Um, you know, not a lot of passes in this game from United. Um, and and I think it just, there's a tendency playing that way to, you know, you've got to trust that you defend well. Now we did against Paris Saint-Germain. We haven't for a lot of this season and uh, and then you know do we can do we trade off too much of the potential to put Chelsea under pressure by having more of the ball in midfield and spending more of the time in their attacking third or not is the question.
1: Mm. So um the other question of course is that Martial will be out um because he's still suspended Good point. for his Terrible violent conduct. <clears throat> um, I wonder whether we'll see Edinson Cavani play some part in this game. I imagine it seems reasonably likely that we will at least see him coming off the bench.
0: Yeah, I mean he he hasn't. I'd be really surprised if he starts the game. He's not played a game in eight months. You know he can't possibly be fully match match fit. He's been training at home on a running machine, so um, that's yeah. It's definitely not ideal preparation. I, I, yeah, I'm sure like 15 minutes at the end of this game or something like that. Um, the the balance I'd forgotten that Martial out, is out. The balance up front will be interesting. Um, you know, Greenwood has uh, missed the last couple of games. Is he fit? Is he in trouble? What's going yeah, on there?
1: Some some talk that there's some worries about discipline. in. Yeah, he's very... turned up
0: late a few times, you know. And um, we do not have the same attacking depth, you know. Quality, yes, but depth, no. Uh, you know, that, that may factor into it as well because playing two attackers or three attackers makes a big difference, mm. right? And, you know, Dan James coming into the picture or no Dan James coming into the picture.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, if I could choose, I would choose the latter of those two. But anyway, all right, let's, um, having said this game is really difficult to predict and there's a load of variables, let's pick random numbers uh, and suggest what we think the scoreline is going to be in this one.
0: I'm gonna say two all.
1: Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna go for a three all draw, so I'm gonna stick with it. Three all draw. As is the style of the times. Um great thanks for listening. Three for being listening, a very everyone.
0: important number. Aaron Wan Pazaka knows.
1: Um Jose putting on Instagram a picture of him holding three Europa League balls with the caption, is this three for the three we conceded against West Ham, the three wonderful goals we scored in that game, or the two Europa Leagues I have in my pocket and the one we're going to get this season. He needs help. It was lame.
0: um, It was really lame.
1: Yeah, it was really bad. He needs PR help, Um, I meant, in that sense, uh, someone to write his captions for him. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back with another one of these after the weekend's game against Chelsea and looking forward to that.
0: Have a good one, everyone. (laughs)